are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. I want to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, I had, I really wanted five points. I have seven and I'm glad we started because I was adding to it. Like, you know, there's a lot that it means to be a follower, right? Uh, but, but kind of, there's a little bit of a, a bent that I want to go after. And I want to talk about what it means to be a follower. I want to talk about some things we don't normally talk about. There's some things about being a follower of Jesus that, you, that, that sometimes we know, sometimes we figure out along the way. If you're in a school of ministry, we're probably going to go into depth talking about some of these things. But um, there's some things that are, that are a little bit like, well, they're not necessarily fun to talk about. Right? Have you guys figured this out? We've been Christians long enough to know, oh, this part about being a, a follower of Jesus isn't necessarily fun. <laughs> right? Anybody else or just me? Okay, we got one. Sorry, you're with me. Like, like there are some things, and, 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 it, and I think, you know, partially because we, we I'm going to like pick on our own culture a little bit, our stream. Can we do that? Just a little bit. Because there's some things like we love about our stream that were like radically new for us. Are you guys ready? We dove in. You guys with me? Okay, I want you guys to take notes. Can you do this? Because you're going to need these later. And I'm going to go relatively quick. I'm going to read a few scriptures to start off. The rest, I want you to read your Bible. Can you do that? <laughs> Write this down. Read your Bible. That's your note. Because it's all throughout the Bible, there's things that we don't really highlight. We skim over to the things that feel better. Right? So, so do me a favor afterwards. Go research the people I talk about. Because I'm, I'm not going to, there's so many verses and so many chapters. I'm not going to give you all of them. But we will start with a couple of scriptures. Um, you could turn to, what did I say? Did I give you guys homework? I didn't? Oh, great. John, let's do John 15. Turn to John 15 for the moment. Um. So, you know, a little bit of a, a thing to pick with our own culture, just because, you know, I was saved when I was 12, 13, um, 13. And, and, you know, I spent a dozen years being a Christian in kind of like outside of what we know now in our stream, right? Like we would call it kingdom culture, revival culture, um, Bethel culture, whatever. You know, there's like people, Bethel doesn't own this culture. It's, it's really just Jesus, right? <laughs> but there's, there's aspects to this environment that we have found ourselves in that were radically brand new and changed our lives, right? Like things like he's a good father and he's in a good mood. Do you remember? Do you remember when that was like the most revolutionary thing we ever heard? Okay, I need, your, I need to know you're listening. Are you, did, does, do you remember this or is it, are we still learning this? That could be there too. Like, you know, like he's a good God who's in a good mood. Like when Bill Johnson said that and the first time I heard it, I'm just like, no, I thought he was a, a, a father who was on the judgment seat ready to smite you or smack you if you got out of line. Kind of like my dad. You know what I mean? Like that's usually what we did, right? We, we recognize the father after our own father. And so, it, you know, if we didn't grow up in, in the most perfect play, uh, 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 family, which none of us did grow up in the perfect family, that's going to be a little bit skewed from just how good the father is isn't it? And so when we heard that for the first time, it was just like, oh my gosh, 
this is revolutionary. And we begin to build in our, you, you guys with me, right? I'm going, we're, you're gonna go with me. I just wanna know you're with me. <laughs> we start building on these truths and start shifting and adjusting our lives based on them, isn't it? He's a good father. He's in a good mood. How about he's for you? He's not against you. His thoughts are for you. They're more for you than you could ever be for yourself. Did you know that? He is more for you than you could ever be for yourself. And I know me, I could be for myself pretty darn good. Right? Justin laughs. <laughs> right? Like I can look out for my own interests pretty darn well. But he is way more for you than you could ever be for yourself. That's just how good of a father he is. His plans and dreams for you are big, big. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a good future. I mean, I, 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 I held on to that verse to get me through prison. Like that was like my, you know, okay, this is, there's something better than what I'm experiencing now. But then in our culture, like in this stream, we start realizing, no, it's even better than that. It's like legit. He has plans and dreams for you to prosper you, not to harm you. The, the way of the Lord, the way of Christ, the way of a follower of Jesus is prosperous. It's not to harm. Like having this revelation and beginning to build on these truths and, and realize this is the nature of our father begins to transform how we experience life, right? And our expectations in life, doesn't it? I'm going very fast. I am like blazing over wild truths. I can feel it in the room, but you're going to have to go with me or dive in on it on your own. How, how about this one? You have a purpose and a destiny. Don't we love this one? I need some not head nods. If you're not going to give me a yes, at least give me a head nod or maybe you're writing. You have a purpose and a destiny. Look, when I found out I had a purpose and a destiny, that his plans were to prosper and not to harm me, that he had a hope and a good future for me ahead of time, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what is this? I had no idea. I thought I was just, you know, just barely a worm getting by, hoping, waiting for Jesus to come back to get me to a better place. And man, I got to somehow convince other people to do this with me. Which isn't fun, is it? <laughs> I'm not having fun, but you should have fun, not have fun with me because somehow this is the way of life. But it's not. There was so much more. And so when I start learning, like, oh, now the question is, what are his plans and purposes? What's the destiny that he has on my life? What's the calling? How about that? You have a calling and a purpose. And it's not just for the people that speak on stage or the people on the pulpit. It's not just for the people in the church, but every single person on the face of the planet has a calling and a destiny and a purpose that are intended for good. Isn't this the truth? I mean, isn't this life transforming? That he said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life abundantly. That he has come to give us life and life abundantly. I mean, this is good news, guys, right? If you can go back to remember the first time, maybe this is the first time you're hearing it and it's radical and you're just like, I don't even know what, I don't have a box for that. But if you've, if you, if you've heard it before, go back to remember. Remember what that was like. Like his plans were to prosper us, not to harm us. We've been called to reign in life. We've been called to have a, a destiny and a, and a purpose and, and a calling on our life. 
and this good God who's not like just trying to control you and have you die for the sake of like his betterment, that wasn't his nature. That wasn't his way. Like for that, that was rad- radically new. I mean, like unbelievably. And because of that, because he's a good father, because of his nature, because of the way he is, we come to learn and discover. We start in the response. I'll give my life for that. I'll give my life for that man who has given his life for me to live a life of abundance, to live a life of, that was prosperous, to live a life that he wanted to see, that he dreamed over me to have an experience that was way beyond and better and greater than anything I could ever dream or think. It's in Ephesians if you want to find it, right? Like, like this is mind-blowing. But when we learn the nature of a father like this and experience a father like this and what he did for this, the good news that he sent his son to die, that we could have a life to live. It's not our natural response. I'll give my life to you. When we realize that he wants to commune with us, not a one-sided conversation, which the first dozen years of my life, I didn't know what it meant to hear the voice of the Lord. I'm just scouring, you know, doing the like, uh, uh, you know, R- Russian roulette of the Bible to try to, okay, what are you saying to me today? You know, stop the page and look, okay, what's the verse? I, I'm not sure if that was you. Let's try it again. <laughs> you know, like, like, do you remember? Do you remember? Like that was, we don't, we don't, we didn't, what it was like not to hear the voice of the Lord and try to figure out how to live a life of Christianity, of being a follower of Jesus and not actually know, know that you know that you know that you hear his voice which came through this prophetic culture. We're not the only ones, we're not saying that, we're saying it's a prophetic culture, it's the office of the prophet that equips the saints to hear and see heaven, to hear and see the Father, to hear. And it was that, my experience in that that began to equip me with the ability to hear the voice of the Lord. That was radical and revolutionary that I could hear him for me. But that invites us into this place where we can have intimacy and connection and communion with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, where when he says something, I can hear it. It, it, I'm not just, hey, I want you to go where I go and do what I do and say what I say. And no, no, I'm actually not just telling you that. I'm actually equipping you with the ability to do it as well. Like that was radical. Like, oh, not only are you asking me to do something I can't do, you're also giving me the ability to do what it is I can't do. Thank you, Jesus. Because up until this point, I had no idea. I felt ill-equipped. Wrestling with, I'm disobedient. I'm, we don't go down that road. But that's what it was like, right? And so now we get this radical encounter with a good father, a good God who has good things to say and he's got a good heart and he wants the best of you for you and he wants to see the best of you and he wants to see you go places you've never dreamed and do things you can't imagine. He wants you to achieve things you can't do on your own. Greater works will you do because I go to the Father and give you the Holy Spirit. Now we've built on this and, and, and here's, here's the piece that I, I feel like I'm giving you the hero sandwich. Jen gives me hero sandwiches a lot. <clears throat> I'm not a hero sandwich guy. I kind of like, just give me the meat. 
I, I know we look like we look a little, you know, uh, uh, carnivorous if we're just getting into the meat. But really, I just want the meat. I just want to know what's wrong so we can deal with it and move on. <laughs> but 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 what it is 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 this this we've we've built on this environment in our culture, and it's absolutely beautiful, and it's so 100% is the nature of the Father. But it's also kind of put us in a place where we really like to hear good news, and I'm not too sure if I don't like to hear bad news. It might be the enemy. I don't know about that negativity. I can't handle that in my life. We're meant to be really thinking good thoughts, like God thinks good thoughts. But he also thinks real thoughts. And there's some things that we, we, we building on this culture, may have glassed over in the name of he's a good father and has good things for us. And that's still 100% true. But I think probably what, I'm, what break, is breaking my heart the most is to see people, even in our own culture and stream, experience a life of steal, kill, destroy. Because we've missed talking about some important things that are required about being a follower of Jesus. And they're not fun to talk about, but if we miss them, we will not experience the very thing we started with, which is he's got plans for us and purposes for us. He's got dreams bigger than, uh, than we can imagine for us. But if I, I won't experience it if I'm not a follower, and there's something different between being a follower and just a believer. You guys good? All right, so I got seven things that's important for us to know. There's a few things he requires from us. And I know we don't like talking about this. You're just going to have to go with me on it. And do me a favor and read the stories in your Bible. Because there are apostles, there's disciples, there's followers of Jesus, there's the heroes of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, and Joseph, and Gideon, and you name them, they have all lived a life that isn't necessarily what we have put in our heads at this moment. They have experienced a life greater than we could ever imagine, but it's not in the mold that we see in our heads in this moment because I think we've been glassed by the positivity side of who we are as a culture, which isn't wrong. We just can't do one without the other, okay? It's going to cost you your life. Being a follower of Jesus is going to cost you your life. but I thought, I thought it was what my desires and stuff were. It is. And it's not. It will cost you your life. It will cost you to lay down your life, your wants, your desires, your dreams, your passions, your purposes. Oh. Ah. Your calling. Oh. Your gifts, your talents, your amazingness. Everything he's put inside of you, you will have to lay it down. I can't tell you how many times the great lead in with the story of being a worshiper. I was, a, you know, a worship leading and did prophetic worship and spontaneous worship. It didn't sound the best, but there was something in the spirit that happened when it happened, and it was amazing. Poor Dave, boy. Papa Dave, just said, here, put a guitar in your hand. I'm like, man, it must have been horrendous sounding. <laughs> but he kept believing in me. And I remember being a part of church leadership, there was a time when Justin asked me one time, 
And he said, what, where, you know, where are you going in 10 years? What's your future? And I'm like, I, I'm going to be a worship leader that travels the world like Jason Upton and leading people in encounters with the presence of God. And then like within a year, I'm in a church leadership position that required some different needs from me in that job. And it was going to require me to lay down the guitar. The, the very thing that I'm like, this is my dream. This is where I'm going. This is what God has for me in my life. And we're learning. He wants the things he's given me, the desires of my heart. This is the desire of the Lord. It's worship. How can it be bad? This is, this is what I'm doing with my life. I'll give my life to this. It's what has changed my life. And then I had this moment when I'm like, oh, for me to step into this portion of leadership in this church to serve a father, I'm gonna have to lay down the very thing I'm called to that I know that I know that I know I'm called to do. And I did it. And I've never been back since. <laughs> oh, come on, that's funnier than that. I was like, well, I'm not so sure. I'm still the worshiper just doesn't look like it did in that season. But laying that down was a big choice because it meant more than just, I'm going to lay it down for a season. I knew there was something more. I'm laying this down, what I feel I'm called to, what I feel is my gifting, my talent, my anointing, my grace. You fill in the blank. It was all happening. All the things that we're looking to happen in our lives for us to go like, that's it. That's the direction I'm going. Everything, every box was getting ticked. And then it was like, hey, will you lay it down? And I did. And I set up chairs and, and made coffee. That was what I was laying it down for. Because that was what was needed in the moment. And for me to do that and be a part of that, I actually couldn't be on stage and doing the practice of worship and all that stuff. That was one of the best things I ever did. It's going to cost you. And we don't know how it's going to cost us, but it will cost us. And most of the time, just so you guys, we don't get too crazy, right? Most of the time, it's costing our own internal soul pride, our own thoughts, our dreams, our own inside stuff. Not, it's not costing us God's stuff. It's actually going to get us to God's stuff. But it's us getting worked out. Number two, if you need a Bible verse, we can, you, you can look at some people, right? We can look at, um, pick someone. How about Matthew? Or let's, do, let's do James and John. James and, James and John, sons of, of Zebedee, right? They're the disciples. You guys tracking? Did it cost them anything? They were working with their dad the day Jesus said, hey, come follow me. They're literally working with him in the family business. I'm sure dad relied on them. They might've been the only employees. I don't know. But like, this is very, this is a, a, a major decision <laughs> in the trajectory of their life and what they were pursuing and what was their calling in those days that you're, what you did, your family did was your calling to do. And Jesus comes up and says, follow me. And they lay down their nets and walked away. I mean, that's, we're just like, oh, that's awesome. Of course I'd follow Jesus. No, no, no. I don't think you understand the magnitude of what was happening when it was happening. They were laying down their livelihood, their life, everything to go follow Jesus. 
and they never got back to doing that. They did something far more magnanimous, but it did cost them their life, literally. All right. Two, it's going to require change. This is something I've noticed. I think personally, we, we, we have a little bit of an internal conflict with this. Because we have a message that says, I love you the way you are. You don't have to change. You don't, nothing has to happen in your life to affect the love of God on your life. And we've somehow associated the love of God with I don't have to change. I know we're not going to like to hear it, but it's true. Oh, I didn't even get to my Bible verses. Dang it. I'll get it too. We, we, we've associated God loves me so I, the way I am, so I'm good. I don't, there's nothing has to happen inside of me. I would, I would flip it and say he loves you too much to keep you the way you are. Because a good father is going to actually invest in his sons and daughters and is going to correct them and lead them and guide them and direct them because a kid at five or six, seven years old just wants to eat ice cream. Well, it feels good. You're right, son. You should just do that. I believe in you. I love you just the way you are. You keep doing that. Well, no, Dan, I like my ice cream. I bet you do. I have no doubt you like your ice cream. Ice cream's good. And it doesn't affect the way he loves you. We can't associate love with change. It does not affect the way he loves you. He loves the world. He loves the world who he's not asking to change. But when you've given your life and become a follower of him, he's asking you to look like him. And I promise you, that's going to require some change. That's going to require growth, as we would say it. It's going to require us more than that. It's going to require us not just to grow and be changed, but I'm actually going to have to be uh, uh, honest. (laughs) I'm going to have to be authentic. I'm actually going to have to be real with myself about what's in there. In John 15, he says, I am the true vine. These are things we don't necessarily like to hear a lot. I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may not, so that will bear, bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them, cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the fathers loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, so that my my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is a key. 
we, we have been called to abide in him. It, it, it's a more comforting word than be obedient. But it is what we're saying. When he has a commandment, when he has an ask, remember, it's a kind father. It's a good father. I love Cynthia's testimony because she's sharing. In his kindness, he's correcting me. And she's like, I, I, I said no, I said no, but you know, the obedience card kicked in. She abided. <laughs> and because she abided, she experienced life. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life and life abundantly. Look, if we want to experience life abundantly, we have to be followers of Christ. It's going to cost us. <laughs> it's going to cost us something. It's going to require of us. We don't get to just go, yay, God, he loves me just the way I am. Now where's my uh, fruitful life? Where's, where's the benefits and the prosperity? I'm not prospering, so the enemy must be attacking me. No, no, no. You, you, Jesus is over there, and you're over here. Like, you're, you're, it's, the enemy's attacking you because you're not where Jesus is. <laughs> you, you're, you're being disobedient. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a believer. I'm a follower. Yeah, you're a believer. But if you're a follower, you'd be with them. And that, and that requires something. I know it's hard, guys. Like, I, I know it's hard. But again, it, it breaks my heart to see people I love and dearly love experiencing a life of destruction, life go, being thrown off the rails because they miss this and then upset at God for it. And I'm like, oh, uh, weren't we all doing the same thing? <laughs> Isn't this what we're all doing? Or do we need to kind of go back over some of the basics, the fundamentals? These are pieces we can't miss. To abide in him is to follow him. And that's gonna require some change on our part because when he says, hey, ice cream is good in portions and probably not good right now in this season, are we going to say, okay? It's really gonna flip your lid when, it, when it's actually coming from a friend and not the father. Because number four, it also requires us to not do it alone. Being a follower of Jesus requires us to not, to not do it alone. We can't do it alone. It's not just me and Jesus out in isolation <laughs> in a house just living it up, changing the world. No, you're not in the world. We're supposed to be in the world? Yeah, remember in the world, not of the world. Remember that? We, we, we're, we're requ we actually need to be in a family. We need to be in a family. And we love it, right? Like, man, there's, you know, we need more community here. We need more connection. We need more family. We need more things going on in our environment. And I'm not just picking on us. This, I've heard this for 12, 15, 20 years. This is what we say. Can I tell you the problems with it? <laughs> I'm an inspector. I love to go in the house and just tell you the problems with it. <laughs> I can tell you how to fix it too. But you don't want to be the one fixing it. <laughs> Can I tell you the problem that we, we, we know we want? We want family connection. Is it requires vulnerability. It requires transparency. And it requires authenticity. I have to be real with myself and with those around me. I have to be honest with myself. I, I have to be open and let people in to see what's in there. Oof, 
that stinks sometimes, man. That's hard. And we're not just talking about family, but this is also our posture for the father. We have to let him in. It requires of us to, to experience feedback and adjustment, not just, hey, there's ice cream and it's probably not good for you right now, but actually requires me to adjust and go, okay, I'm not gonna eat ice cream for this season. I'm gonna lay my guitar down for this season. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be obedient and abide in what you're asking. And that requires adjustment on my part. I have to change something, but it also requires that because who knows you the best? The people you're doing life with. Like it's, it's great if I have friends that are giving me feedback about my life, but if they're not with me day to day, I might need them, my employees because they're the ones that see me. Ooh, whoa, wait a minute, wait, no, 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 I'm here to lead them. Yeah, but they also see how you lead. And you might, and for us to grow, we need to be uh, 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 accepting and, and willing to receive that feedback and do something about it. This is what it means to be in a family. We see each other, we're seen and known by one another. And if we play that all the way out, some of them might get in your soil and say, hey, there's something, uh, there's something in your soil that's not looking too good. Well, I, didn't, I don't want you in my soil. <laughs> I know, but we're family. Yep. We want it. We want the perks of it, but we don't want to do the work to get it. And, and I'm not, this isn't just to go at our culture, you guys. I mean, I'm, I'm there. I, I hate it when Jen gets in my soil. I'm like, wait, what are you doing in there? That's not what we're doing right now. We're doing the fun stuff. I just wanted you to tune with me and really connect. The father wants to do it too. See, a good father will love you and our friends and family will love you too much to leave you the way you are. Like these are the things we don't necessarily talk about a lot, but it's such a reality and it's a key because I can't experience the life that Jesus died for me to experience if I'm not willing to pay the price that it costs to be a follower of Jesus. And it costs us something and it's okay. Didn't we not, when I just paint the picture, I'll give my life for a father like that, will you? Because if you will, this is what it means. This is the line in the sand Jesus drew with disciples where he went from the multitudes down to 12. Are you the only ones left? Well, where else are we gonna go? We've already given up everything and given our lives to you. Not everybody will. Oh, narrow gate, wide gate. Oh, remember that one? Oh. Four, that was four? Five. The life that you've get, you are gaining in Christ as being a follower of Jesus likely will not be anything you think and sometimes won't be what you want. <laughs> We're doing it, right? This is terrible. But I promise you, you won't want anything else when you're there. What do we mean by that? Look, I have dreams, I have hopes and aspirations. I'm gonna be a worship leader that travels around the world and leads people into encounters. And then I learn more about myself and I realize I would die doing that. <laughs> My gosh, if that's all I ever did. I, there's, I know me now, I'm learning to know me now. I'm like, no, that, I couldn't. But I didn't know that then, I didn't know. I didn't like ice cream, it just tasted good. <laughs> and then you come find out later, oh, oh, actually I don't even really like ice cream, I like this. 
gelato. No. <laughs> right? Like, but we don't know what we don't know. And the only way to grow is to follow Jesus. And to adjust and to be obedient and to abide. Whatever it is, whatever it takes, whatever the cost, it doesn't matter. Because I promise you, a life in Christ is going to be abundant. I had dreams. I, I, you know, I wanted a farmhouse and five acres and a creek. And, you know, I remember the day when the Lord called me into more of this teaching thing that I was messing around with. And, and I realized the moment that this had happened. And I said, I have to give up this dream for this to happen because I can't be settled in one place for what I knew the Lord was taking me. And I had to lay it down. So now I live on a cul-de-sac, on a cart path. <laughs> and like, I don't, I don't know. This town is the funniest town in the world, right? Like, it, it, it's like the, the RV park that, you know, people when they retire and travel around to and you just, you know, you become buddies with all your RV park friends and then you're going to the next one and everyone sees each other. And it, it's literally like that. This is, this is Petrie City. <laughs> and, and the funniest thing, I know I've said it, is I absolutely love it. <laughs> I wouldn't want it any other way. And I never would have picked it in a million years. Not even five years ago, not even 10 years ago, but five years ago, I didn't want that life. It wasn't on my radar. It wasn't something I dreamed of. I had other dreams. It actually wasn't. Somebody offered me this, I wouldn't take it because I don't want it. It's like broccoli. And then you get in it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. This is amazing. I absolutely love broccoli. I love where I live. I love what I'm doing. I love where I'm at. And I wouldn't have dreamed this in a million years. It's so it's important for us in our posture and being a follower of Jesus to remember life likely might not be what you think or want. The, the, the paradox is that we're in the middle of a culture that says, dream what you can do. Dream your biggest dream. What are the things on your heart? The Lord wants them too. What are the desires? In fact, he'll give you those desires. We're in a culture that cultivates this. It just can't override being obedient and abiding in the vine. Because the moment it does, you might get it. Your biggest dream, you might get which would be sad because the Lord had something different. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He thinks so much higher than us. Eyes have not seen, ear have not heard. It hasn't even entered the heart of man, the things that God has planned for those who love him. Like, like this, this mystery is so much larger than we can think that if you can dream it, it's probably not big enough. Your plans, your purposes, your dreams, your goals, even your assignments, your calling, the things you're laying your hands to, all of it might not be what you think it is in your head in the moment. We have to hold everything with open hands because as the Lord leads, I promise you, you want to follow him. And you don't want to hold so tightly to a dream or a desire or a calling or a legit tick all the boxes anointing, purpose, call, prophetic words, dream, passion. I've got them all right here. <laughs> it fits it all. So this must be it. Maybe, might be used to be for a season. 
And you have to be okay with the Lord saying, I want you to do this and set up chairs and do coffee for a minute. Six, we'll get there. This is a very large topic that I'm gonna quickly glance over. We have to understand being a follower of Jesus, there is a tension. There's a tension between your spirit and your soul. There's a tension between heaven and earth. There's crazy tension that's happening on earth as it is in heaven, right? Is it here? No. Some, some, completely? No. That's a tension. We shouldn't be surprised when things don't work out the way heaven wants them to. God's not surprised. There's a tension. We're called to contend and release. As Jen said, heaven happens through you onto the earth. This is our calling. This is our pursuit. But there's a tension in the fact that it's not here yet. And there's, this is a work in progress. This is the long game. And, and we have to be okay. We can't get like caught up and, oh my gosh, that breakthrough didn't happen. What? No, well, sometimes it doesn't. And we keep contending. We keep fighting. We know who has the authority. We have the authority. The enemy does not have the authority. Yet, heaven is still invading earth. It's not done. There's a tension in our soul and our spirit. There's a tension with, I am 100% completely whole and finished and, 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 and done deal product. My spiritual DNA as a new creation is full of love, hope, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I have everything I need. I've all access to the Father. I sit in heavenly places. I'm at the right hand of the Father, but I like ice cream sometimes. Sometimes I'm still a toddler and that's attention. No, but I'm whole and we're and not, not yet. You ain't, you might be in your spirit, but your soul and your body are still working through some things. And this is a tension. We don't, maybe don't get into it enough to realize, oh, it's okay that you're not perfect. <laughs> I know it's shocking. It is for me often. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Parsley. <laughs> like it, it's, it's shocking where we're like, what the heck? I've got stuff in my soil that isn't supposed to be there. Why are you pointing that out? You shouldn't be digging around down there. Nobody's supposed to be down there. <laughs> I had that buried far enough that we were going to be good with it. I can move on. I had been moving on. And we can't be surprised when we realize and find out, I've got some stuff to work through still. It's gonna require of us to, man, it requires a lot, you guys. This is not the easy road. Being a follower of Jesus is not the easy road. But I promise you, okay, all right, I'm sorry. Hero sandwich. I'll get to the good stuff in a second. All right. Well, that's, those are big, very big topics. Come to school of ministry. You'll learn more about that. Trans channel, change your life. The last thing I, I want to say, point seven, is you're here to give your life away. <laughs> Everything that's been given to you is to give away. Your purposes, your plans, your gifts, your talents, your anointing, your graces, your favor. God, I wanted to get into that, but that's a big topic. Your favor, your identity, everything, your, your victories, the things you, the land you've taken, 
in your journey with the Lord, the graces on your life in business and in government and education and all those realms, the favor, the grace, everything, everything's been given to you to give away. Bill Johnson says it best. He's in me for me, but he's on me for them. Your life, we're here to see heaven get its, Jesus get his full reward, to see heaven show up. That happens, as Jen said earlier, through you, through your hands, through your eyes, through your mouth, through your actions, through your behaviors. That happens through you. It's all meant to give away. It's not meant to make you prosperous so that you can live a better, fat and happy life like Hezekiah. That's not why. It's meant so that you give it away and generations to generations and generations begin to experience the benefits and the blessings and the effects of you having given your life away. Because isn't that what Jesus did? The good news is that by doing all of this, we experience a life and life abundantly. We, his ways are better than ours. His thoughts are better than ours. We have access to a father that we could have never dreamed. His, his plans and dreams for us are way better than us, better than we can come up with our own. He sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice so that we would be reconciled to him so that we would experience a life beyond what is natural because he actually asks us to do things we can't do naturally. That we would be a part of reconciling the world back to him. That we would then be on a journey of co-creating a heavenly world on this earth. Is that not the best thing? (laughs) As Bill Johnson would say, is this not just the best deal, the best trade-off? I would gladly give you my dreams of what I think is the best thing for me and take on yours to experience something that's long lasting and for generations and generations, that's beyond me, that's part of a bigger picture and a plan that the creation itself would be restored and reconciled back to the heaven, back to the heart of the Father. He wants to do that with us. Life and life abundantly, yes. It's okay that it costs us something. Because as David said it, when they tried to, someone tried to bless him with the field that he was wanting, he said, no, 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 no. Far be it from me to receive something that I haven't paid for, that doesn't cost me. Far be it from me to give something to the Lord that doesn't cost me. Would you guys stand? Nothing has changed about his nature. He is still a good, good father. He is in a good mood. He is more for you. Close your eyes. He is more for you than you could ever be for yourself. He is more for you and has dreams for you and plans for you and hopes for you more than you could ever imagine in this moment. He wants to sup with you. He wants to commune with you, to walk and talk in the garden in the cool of the day. He wants to dream over what a life could be. He wants you you and him to dream over what the earth could look like. He wants to reveal heaven itself to you. 
that you can then take, like Moses, a template or a blueprint of something from another realm and build it on the earth. He wants you to experience a life of reigning, prospering, of wholeness, life abundant. His heart for you is greater than you could possibly imagine. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. We know you have a purpose and a destiny, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I would gladly give my life for a father like that. So Lord, oh Lord, help us, help us see, help see better, hear better. Help us be brave. Help us be okay with a life that's scary when I'm letting people into my soil that I really don't, didn't want to. A life that's scary when I'm moving my family across country without any money or a plan. <laughs> Lord, help us be okay. Help us be brave. Lord, right now we just release ears to hear and eyes to see the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father, that we would better abide in the, in the, in the vine. We thank you for the sacrifice you've given us, Lord, given for us, Lord, that the ultimate sacrifice that, to, to, to give us this. Let us be grateful and thankful Mm. we just break off any spirit of entitlement that we deserve something because of the goodness of your nature we thank you Jesus in Jesus name Amen thanks guys thank you for listening to the sermon of the week to stay connected with Bethel Atlanta visit www.bethelatlanta.com.